Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, sitting in for Mike Adams, here's Sabrina Hill. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in to AOA. Coming up in a few minutes, we look into the world of social media and how it can affect society's view on agriculture. And later in the show, Mike is back as he joins us from the dairy producer meeting in Phoenix. But we start out this morning with our in-house markets expert, Farm News Director Rusty Halverson. Well, we're visiting with Mike Miner, risk manager at Professional Ag Marketing based in Laverne, Minnesota. Mike, first off, good morning to you. How is the, uh, the week of Halloween treating you so far? It's been pretty good weather anyways over the weekend, uh, getting some harvest progress done in our area, and it feels like fall a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for your neck of the woods, kind of that uh, uh, southwestern Minnesota, eastern South Dakota, northern Iowa, northeastern Nebraska, have guys been able to chip away at the harvest? Do some producers have the finish line in sight, do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I've heard of a couple of stories here now of guys uh, getting all wrapped up anyways with corn and beans. Uh, But for the most part here, I think we see most people finishing up soybeans over the weekend and getting a good start on corn in our area anyways again. Uh, Been a lot of bouncing back and forth between corn and bean harvest this year compared to normal with, you know, a little bit of snow here and quite a bit of rain to start off the harvest so it's been a struggle and fields have been wet out there but i think uh, farmers are finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel i should say as we dip into november here uh this coming week yeah now usually this is the best time of year for soybean shipments uh, can you give us a, a quick update on where we're standing at for uh demand out of the pacific northwest uh, storage uh, any bright spots that producers can look ahead to that maybe could be a potential bullish opportunity mike yeah so uh, like you uh like you talked about there uh, right now is usually a pretty good time frame for the u.s to get a uh, majority of their soybeans out actually we're looking back at history this is typically where a large majority of the soybeans are headed out in the fourth quarter of the year before the shift to south american soybeans for their freshly harvested crops there in the beginning of uh, 2019 per se to come right now is a really key time in exports for the u.s and we haven't quite seen that pop up yet as we're lagging behind last year's levels actually down 39 percent from uh, last year's levels there on our exports so far this year. And, I mean, this is no major surprise over the last few weeks to see this slump. Uh, You know, we've got the whole China trade battle situation that has really led us up to this point. So I think that's set the tone for our shipments so far anyways. And we have had some other countries kind of step into play and uh, pick up some of the need for those exports. But I think China's a, a big one to try to make up for in a hurry. So... It'll be interesting as South America continues to increase their planting progress here as they're actually 46% planted on their crop right now versus 30% average is where they usually are at. So they're expecting a little bit quicker harvest maybe, which could narrow up that export window for the United States going forward. Okay, now just uh, off topic, uh, maybe just a bit, Brazil over the weekend from the news headlines I've, I'm seeing, uh, they elected a new president with a somewhat conservative slant and not a big fan of China. Speculation maybe China uh, maybe painted themselves in a quarter when it comes to soybean trade. Have have you heard any, uh, any kind of market chatter about that, Mike? A little bit, 
you know, as we've got that election playing a big part in the role overall, his willingness to deal at the end of the day is probably going to come down to what makes sense from a dollar perspective. And South America, they they can make a lot of money here trying to ship those soybeans out to uh, feed those needs of China. So I think they can use that to their advantage. But overall, I think that standpoint in their community to see that come in, it could help a little bit with their infrastructure, try to improve their rail situation as they struggle with their roads and whatnot in uh, in that area down in South America. So I would I would look for an infrastructure boost to help kind of uh, boost their agricultural needs going forward. And China, in their involvement in that, I guess, it may delay a little bit. That's not something that's going to happen overnight to fix any major problems anyways. But I think at the end of the day, they're still going to try to whittle out past our midterm elections and try to hold out here as we get into 2019 and maybe try to use some leverage back towards us anyways. And it could be a little while to see a trade resolution done between us and China, but uh, Brazil necessarily, uh, they may just stay out of it here for a little while and try to chip away at what they can get, I think. Okay. Now, when uh, we talk about China in the news uh, headlines as of late, African swine fever reports uh, continue to pop up in China. Uh, Some analysts perhaps hoping for an uptick in U.S. demand from China somewhere down the road, and they've called a large number of hogs so far. Can you give us an update on that, Mike? Yes, SFS, uh, ASF there, African Swine Fever, has developed some premium in these deferred hog futures as you look out into next summer hogs here, trading over, uh, you know, 83, 82 bucks here today um, into June of 19. But we believe that China does have an ASF problem right now and that their news sources may be held back a little bit due to their government and they may not want to uh, release a lot of what actually has been going on there anyways and maybe hold back some other outbreak as they've learned so far but we believe that almost every province uh, if not touching next to one has been impacted by ASF in China so far anyways we believe that they'll be reluctant to actually buy pork from the U.S. you know as a trade resolution seems kind of out of our near-term grasp but what uh, we can see happening you know there's a few different scenarios we see that global market pork markets could turn higher from an ASF breakout here going forward. This would result more in China procuring uh, products from our competing countries. You know, this would leave uh, those countries in line to buy pork from us and kind of a trickle-down effect. So, I mean, scenario one, you've got 16% of China uh, Chinese is infected by ASF. That would leave them pretty much at the ability to buy all of the available pork in the world market. So obviously, you know, uh, China raises a lot of pigs out there, and obviously that would support hog prices pretty greatly. Another scenario is if we get ASF here in the U.S., that could disrupt our exports out of the U.S. So uh, that could have a negative impact on us as well. Um, And, you know, then if ASF doesn't become a big enough problem in China, uh, it just may not raise prices. Um, uh, One of the last scenarios kind of in that situation is if uh, ASF is a big problem, but Chinese people just decide to eat less pork. So they can kind of control that a little bit more than someone like the United States can. One final question, Mike. Uh, When it comes to the global wheat market, the International Grains Council last week upping its forecast for global supplies, and Black Sea wheat has been dominating Egyptian tenders for quite some time, it seems. But uh, Cargill offering wheat in the latest tender on Friday. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so Cargill offered one U.S. wheat boat to Egypt at prices pretty much just below competitors as Cargill's kind of looking to fulfill their needs now as they look for 500,000 bushels of U.S. wheat. You know, they're up about uh, plus 80 on that, and they, their levels were more of plus 65 prior. So that gave a nice bump to the wheat market prices here in the U.S. Um, on uh, late Friday there as we saw the Chicago wheat, for example, rally 16 cents. Um, that was a pretty big deal, I think, as uh, we finally got some business back in that Egyptian market. Okay, something to watch as we go forward. That's about all the time we've got today. Mike Miner, Risk Manager at Professional Ag Marketing based in Laverne, Minnesota. Talk to you later down the road. Thank you very much. Again, that was Rusty Halverson talking with Mike Miner of Professional Ag Marketing. I'm Sabrina Hill. This is AOA, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. South Dakota is a veterans state. I come from Hot Springs, which is a veterans town. We had some questions on the VA that was closing. We had people that used the VA saying, I gotta have it, if I don't have it, I'm gonna die. We had people whose parents and children used the VA saying, we need it. And when we started the battle with the VA, Christy Nome was the first person, anybody of any authority to come on board. She has carried the battle like a torch, leading the way for everybody else. For the veterans of this state, Christine Ohm is our girl. She stood up for us when it comes to the VA in Hot Springs. And that's not just Hot Springs, that's across the entire state. And she gained nothing, absolutely nothing. She got no money in her campaign. She didn't have us marching down the street with signs for her. She did it because it's the right thing to do. That's Christine Ohm, and that's the person I want to be governor. Christine Ohm, tested, proven, conservative for governor. Paid for by Christie for Governor. All right, guys, we're ready for our four season sunroom, and Daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments. Oh no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the runway? You know, the fun. Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight, and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh no, wait, a family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. 
To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. We're joined on the phone by my friend and fellow farm broadcaster, Brian Winnikins of Durand, Wisconsin. All right, Brian. So the last time I filled in for Mike, you and I chatted and we talked about um, our upcoming session at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual convention. And we will once again be presenting on working with the media. And this is our third time. So I wanted to touch base with you again. And what I kind of want to focus on this time, let's talk about social media. Because our main topic is um, working with the media in, you know, in this time of fake news. And there's a lot of distrust out there. Let's talk about social media a bit. We're talking about things like Facebook and Twitter and, you know, everything that you see online. And they play a pretty big part in our lives now, whether you use it actively yourself or not. Somehow social media is involved in most aspects of our lives, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, it probably is too much uh, involved in our lives. I think from some of the studies, I see how much people spend on, on time on things like Facebook and Twitter. I think the biggest thing with social media from a standpoint of uh, posting on social media, uh, a very good friend of mine said, when you post on Facebook, it's like water going out of a hose. You can't put the water back out into the hose. So that, that I think, is the biggest thing that, that a lot of, that I suggest to uh, not only uh, farmers, but even my, my daughter and, and other friends. Before you post something out there, regardless of what it is and you might, what the topic is, and you might have, uh, might be pretty passionate about that topic, or it might be something that you think is incredibly funny or whatever, remember, once you post it, it's water that has gone out of the hose and you can't put it back in. So be careful. Yeah, and I always like to point out, too, no matter how you have your privacy set, and I always encourage everybody to watch your privacy settings, make sure you know who's seeing your stuff, but you never know who's going to screenshot something these days. So even if you have your privacy settings set and they're they're strict, you never know who's going to screenshot it and then put it out there and give you a much broader audience for something that you meant to be, you know, just for a small group of friends or something. That, that's correct, and, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things that it goes back to just be careful for what you're, you're posting and how you post it. And, and the other thing that we've talked about even in our sessions um, at American Farm Bureau when we've discussed a little bit about social media is you cannot win a social media war. Mm-hmm. It is impossible. So um, true. And, and to get into a, an argument on Facebook um, is, is just, or, or even Twitter, you can't win. It, 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 it ends up just making a problem worse. Uh, yes, you want to maybe make your point if you see something that's incorrect, but to start to argue with someone, um, it, it, it's a, just a losing proposition. It is. And, you know, when we talk about the topics that we focus on, uh, people are so passionate about it. We're talking about food. We're talking about nourishing your family, doing the best thing possible for your family in their you know, nourishment needs. What are they putting into their mouths and into their bodies? People are passionate about this. That doesn't mean they always have the correct facts. And even if they have misinformation, they're still passionate about what they think is right. 
we want to, of course, correct them. But how do we do that without, you know, igniting this fire that's ultimately just going to make them shut off any listening? The biggest thing is, is actually, which is very hard to do on social media, is listen and show some respect. Again, I've seen all of these, I see a lot of these silly posts every day about, you know, milk is, is racist and just silly things like that. And it does make your blood boil. And some of those, some of those, those comments or those posts, you don't—they're just asking for a fight. So those you avoid. But for the, the the mom or the dad that is truly concerned about what they're feeding their children, understand that they are concerned about that. Just like I am with for my daughter when she was a kid, you know, or or you, Sabrina, with with your children. Obviously, everybody is concerned about that. So remember that before you reply. Even if that person has something that is factually incorrect, listen and try to just take a moment in their shoes and then politely and, and showing some respect, you can respond. Now, if that person responds incredibly nasty back, at that point, to, to try and respond back to that, you know what, you, you've, done, you've done the best you can. And 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 it's sometimes it's just best to move on, but if it, it, sometimes it's best to just be polite. And then in, in some cases, when I've done when I've done that, when I've responded to something, I've actually received a, a message back to um, you know thanking me. Uh, and that is another way. If you see someone posting something that you know they're they're kind of wrong, you can always send them a private message, make it polite, make, show the respect. Give them the information, you know, maybe some information links or whatever in that message. And you can do that privately instead of having this, let's just go out and try and win the debate. I think too many people on social media want to try and win a debate. And everybody gets caught up in that, depending on what it is. And, you know, it can be from sports teams to, to food to politics, you name it. Let's, not, let's try to stop trying to win every debate because, frankly, that's impossible. Right. Now I want to talk a little bit about being careful about what you you post yourself. Aside from privacy and uh, having things put out there that may come back to haunt you, I saw a post, it's been a few months ago now, but and it was posted even, I don't know, a couple of years before I saw it. But um, it was somebody posted two pictures of hard-boiled eggs, and they were cut in half, and you could see different, the yolks looked different. And he, it was something to the effect of, you know, the one that looks green is a GMO egg, you don't want that. And the thing was, of course, it wasn't a GMO egg. It was two eggs that had been cooked to different, you know, at, for different amounts of time. So the yolks were done differently. But uh, the, this picture had been taken so out of context and passed around by people saying, you know, GMO eggs are going to kill you, which is, you know, absurd. But when I went back to the source and found who originally posted it, it was somebody trying almost satire to show how ridiculous that concept was, but it was taken so out of context. It had been shared thousands and thousands of times as an anti-GMO message. Now, no matter where you stand on GMO, organics, this farming, that farming, whatever, things get twisted around in the social media world. So you want to be careful with how you present your information. You can put anything on social media and someone will take it if, if they are against it. Um, and they, they can take that and use it against you. Uh, Photoshop is, is, is one of the most common uh, uh, 
things that people will use or, you know, the mem generators, they can take that picture that you maybe posted and they can download it onto their own computer, just the picture, and then they can use one of these mem generators and they can take that picture along with Photoshop and make it to the, to, to the way that they want to have it and now they're taking your picture and using it against you. That's the Again, that's the danger of trying to argue or trying to make a point on social media. Understand that people do that because they feel they can get out to a lot of people. They can, they can go ahead and, and try and get their message out. But understand that there's other people out there that can take that message and twist it. And before you know it, your information or your post is now being used against you in a totally different way that you never intended. And once it's, again, once you've posted it, it's water out of a hose. You can't put the water back in. And, and that's, that's the big thing that, that people have to remember. And when they see stuff like this, Google is your friend. Uh, I've, I've, I've done that so many times where I'll see something on that's posted and it looks like it's coming from ABC News. But if you kind of look close, that the, the, the website address isn't what you remember from ABC News or for another news outlet, whatever. And so Google is your friend because I always will Google that headline mm -hmm. and nine times out of ten it pops up saying this is fake, boom, 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 boom. And what I've tried to do is when I see stuff like that, I then report that post to Facebook or to Twitter or to LinkedIn saying, this is fake, here's what I found on Google, to, to try to put a stop to some of this stuff so that we can kind of start dialing things back a bit. Right. So bottom line, social media can be a good tool to connect with consumers, to um, maybe explain some things about farming that they're not quite understanding, but bottom line, use it carefully. Exactly. Always use it carefully. I actually had our the, the sheriff for uh, Pepin County on with me uh, today, and, and we were talking about social media. And he even said, for those of you who are getting close to the holidays, we're going to be taking holiday trips, or you're going to be going south for the winter, you know, some of the snowbirds, don't post on social media or on Facebook. Yep, we're getting, going off to the airport, and we're going to be at Disney World for a week, because all you're doing is letting the bad guys know that there's no one in your house. Okay. That's, again, something totally innocent can be used against you. So always remember that. All right. Safety first. All right, Brian, thank you so much for your All time. Right. Brian Winnikins of Durand, Wisconsin. Again, we're speaking at the American Farm Bureau Federation Annual Convention in January. When we come back, Mike Adams joins us from the Joint Annual Meeting of the National Milk Producers Federation, National Dairy Promotion and Research Board, and the United Dairy Industry Association. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill, and we'll be back in just a moment. comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way with its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. We 
all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Early Wednesday activity for the grains, defensive in wheat, penny and a fraction lower in corn, soybean futures, treading water near unchanged. China's recent move to wean its hogs off their heavy diet of soybean meal will likely diminish its imports of that feed ingredient next year. That according to the CEO of Bungie, the world's biggest soybean processor in soybean futures nearby November, up a fraction, 834 and a quarter. Back months also fractionally changed. On the upside for January soybeans, resistance lies at 865 and a half. That'd be Monday's high. In December corn, we're trending a penny and a fraction lower at 363 and a quarter. The 10-day moving average continues to act as nearby resistance with additional chart ceilings at 371 and a half and 372 and a half. In the wheats, we're trending eight and a fraction lower in Chicago, seven to eight lower in Kansas City, three cents lower Minneapolis spring wheat. For livestock at the Merck, we continue to rally in nearby lean hog futures, 22 to 72 cents higher. The cash hog markets expected to resume business on this Wednesday with bids steady to a dollar lower. In live cattle futures, traders continue to wait for cash activity. Bids and asking prices in feedlot country slow to take shape on the week. Nearby October live cattle down a dime at 113.80. Feeder cattle January up 80 cents at 148.87. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up over 300 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona for the joint annual meeting of the National Dairy Promotion and Research Board, the National Milk Producers Federation, and United Dairy Industry Association. 
Joining me now is Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Jim, a lot of issues to talk about, uh, but I mean, we, we have to acknowledge uh, it's a down economy. Dairy producers in particular are really hurting right now, and that's reflected in the mood here at this meeting. Yeah, they really are hurting, Mike, and this is now the fourth year in a row of what I would call mediocre to poor prices. Um, a longer downturn than we've had in, in many years. We're used to a cycle in dairy, but this one has been, these prices have been um, sticky on the downside. And unfortunately, we haven't had things going in our, going our way. Uh, trade was looking good the first half of the year. We were hitting record numbers of exports for dairy, and those exports have been increasingly important to our market and to our industry. And then those tariffs came along at the end of May, hit two of our most important markets, uh, Mexico and China, and uh, it's put a real damper on uh, milk prices. So we've seen a huge loss suffered by dairy farmers as a result of those retaliatory tariffs to the tune of over a billion dollars just this year alone. So trying to address that is going to be one of the key issues to get out of these doldrums. Far more damage than you got relief in that uh, tariff mediation package. Yeah, that was one of the concerns we had. You know, the, the tariff mitigation package that was announced um, earlier um, this fall um, had $127 million for dairy, uh, $0.12, cents, 100 weight payment for the second half of the year, or actually $0.06 cents and then $0.06 cents more coming. That um, doesn't come close to addressing the damage that's been done. And we've demonstrated to USDA um, the, the, the pain that's out there and the economic analysis we've done, not just by us, and I'll, let me cite a couple of them. So we looked at the change in the futures markets before and after those tariffs went into, into effect. And the prices on May 31st, for the rest of the year, were looking very good. We thought we'd have about, you know, maybe $18 all milk price later in the year. Those tariffs went into effect in Mexico and China. Um, the the uh, futures dropped dramatically, a $1.8 billion drop in the futures. Now that's real, real income because subformers you know, buy the futures, and what's happened is the market has followed the futures, so it's, it is depressed. That's just, that was our analysis. We looked to the outside. We had Informant Economics, an economic consulting firm, look at it. Their analysis was the impact of these tariffs was $1.5 billion loss this year. We also went to Texas A&M and asked them to do some research, and their economic model showed it at least $1.2 billion in damage. And then you look at USDA's own numbers. Their forecast on their change in prices indicates um, a, that milk prices are going to come in uh, $1.5 billion lower than they were expecting prior to the imposition of the tariffs. So the pain is real, the damage is real, and we are asking USDA to do a better job on the second tranche of payments, which we're expecting in, in December. I was happy to hear Secretary Purdue say yesterday that the, there will be a second tranche of payment. We're making the case to the department that dairy needs to be addressed in a much better way, closer to the billion-dollar-plus damage that's been done. We're talking with Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the U.S. of the National Milk Producer Federation. Jim, so we've got a U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, USMCA. We're waiting to see if it gets passed or not. The big part of it, we were wondering what would get done with dairy. It looks like a slight improvement? Is that, is, that, is that how you would characterize it, a slight improvement over what we have? Yeah, I, I would say we've made more than slight improvement. It's, it's incremental progress. Uh, the, the key, one of the most important issues was protecting our access to the Mexican market. 
That's a billion dollar, $1.3 billion market for us. Uh, it was just like it was for much of agriculture, we did not want to see damage to the Mexico market. That's been taken care of, taken off the table. So this, the possibility of withdrawing from NAFTA would have been catastrophic for dairy for and many other commodities. That's off the picture. Canada was the other issue we wanted to address, and we had unique problems with Canada, unlike much of agriculture, which does have a free border access with Canada. There is free trade that happens in agriculture for much of the rest of the commodities, beef and pork in particular. It's a North American integrated market. But for dairy, there's a wall. And that's what the president was talking about in a number of his tweets earlier this year. And we wanted to address both the tariff wall and the problems of the Class 7 pricing system Canada put in place, which is essentially an effort by them to take their surplus of skim milk powder and ingredient products and dump that on the world market, which hurts us because the U.S. is the largest exporter of those products in the world. So when Canada adds to it by dumping their surplus offshore, that lowers our price. It's part of the damage that's been done. So this agreement will put disciplines on Canada's exports of skim milk powder of milk protein concentrate and infant formula. There are going to be caps on how much they can export and then penalties if they exceed those. If those penalties are effective, it will help discipline Canada's uh, problematic trade policy behavior. So you'll support and push for passage of USMCA? Well, we're still looking at the details. You know, this is the, the agreement's been negotiated. We, I and uh, one of my uh, staffers are cleared advisors to USTR, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, so we were able to see some of the negotiating text as it was being worked on, but the, we're still parsing the final agreement. These things are very, very technical agreements. We're reviewing it. Um, I'm hopeful that at the end of the day we can support the agreement. We're still looking to see. The question does come down to the enforcement. If it's not going to be enforced, it's not going to be effective, and that's going to be the key issue for us to look at. Meanwhile, how much damage is being done to the U.S. dairy industry with these tensions and tariffs with China? They're doing damage. Um, you know, I, I said um, exports were hitting record levels. We were shipping a lot of uh, ingredients and whole milk powder to China earlier this year. Um, that market has, uh, has dried up. Um, so it, it is having an impact. One of the problems for us is, you know, we haven't been a major player in China, but we've been focused on trying to grow that as a market. A lot of miles to feed, a lot of dairy increased consumption, and most of it's going, the exports have been going, or the imports into China have been going, coming from New Zealand and the European Union. We've been trying to become a bigger player there. Now that we have these tariffs, um, and as long as they're in place, that's not going to be a viable market for us. Meanwhile, uh, a huge battle here domestically, and that is over imitation dairy products using the name dairy or milk. Are you making progress on this? We are make, making progress. It's a huge issue. My remarks to the, uh, to the delegates and the assembled uh, attendees here at the meeting was a call to arms and a call to action. We've got the attention of the Food and Drug Administration. We have the attention of the Congress on this issue. And um, what I said to, the, to the, uh, the folks here is this is our best chance and it may be our last chance to address this issue in the marketplace. We have to get the Food and Drug Administration to enforce the existing standards of identity, which mean that to, be, to use milk or other dairy terms, it has to come from an animal, a lactated, lactating animal. And um, all the products we're talking about, all these plant-based uh, foods, fake foods I call them, using dairy terminology, uh, don't 
are not dairy, and they don't match the nutritional content of dairy. That's a huge issue. From a consumer standpoint, these products using dairy terms are being marketed in a misleading way because they don't match, they don't provide the nutritional content that milk and dairy products do. Well, you finally got the FDA commissioner to at least admit that uh, these products uh, aren't from a lactating animal or, I mean, that uh, almonds don't lactate or whatever it may be, the terminology. But that's an admission after all these years, right? It's maybe some uh, shows some progress at FDA. It does show progress. I was very pleased. The commissioner uh, acknowledged after we, you know, we spent about a year and a half pushing and pushing both in Congress and on FDA. And I made it clear that we weren't going to go away. We were going to keep identifying and pushing on this issue, pleased that the FDA has responded to put on a request for information. Now is the time that anybody who cares about this issue needs to write into FDA, make comments on this issue. And all they need to go, all they need to do is go to our website, which is www.nmpf.org, nmpf.org. On the homepage, you'll see a bar right at the top. Click on it. It'll give you all the information you need, and it will give you a link to the FDA website to, to make comments. One other quick topic, uh, very important. I wish we had more time, but to want to get into it. Immigration, ag labor force, are we getting any closer to getting something worked out here? This issue continues to bedevil me. I've been working on it for many, many years. I was hopeful um, earlier this year that we might make progress with some legislation in Congress. But frankly, Mike, this country is so divided on the issue of immigration, and that's reflective in the debate in agriculture. Um, much of agriculture has been united to try to get a solution, uh, but I think both parties are in the ditch on either side on this issue. And I am not optimistic right now that we're going to get immigration reform that will address the issues of agriculture. So we're looking at what other options we have. One of the issues for dairy is, you know, the H-2A program that works for some of agriculture doesn't work for us because that program is for temporary seasonal workers. Our jobs are not temporary. They're not seasonal. So we're trying to see, can we maybe expand that program to provide some relief if we can't get broader immigration relief to get um, documentation for our workers? Because, you know, 80% of the milk, almost 80% of the milk produced in the U.S., comes from farms that have immigrant labor. And we know that a lot of that labor is, is undocumented. We've got to get documentation for that, for those workers, because if not, we're not going to be able to produce the milk that America and the world needs. Do you see signs of uh, some kind of a breakthrough on this? Not yet, yet. No? I don't yet. And so let's see what happens in these elections. Um, I am an optimist eternally. You can't work in Washington as long as I have without being an optimist. So I do think we're going to get the issue resolved at some point. Um, we're not there yet. Yeah, it is frustrating because it seems like it, the feeling is we can't fix everything when it comes to immigration. We're not going to fix anything, so nothing gets done. And then nothing is done. And that's why I say I think both parties are in the ditch. We have to get away from the extremes and work in the middle. If we all would agree to work in the middle, we can get resolution and movement on this issue. And a lot of other issues, too, I think. Jim, thank you very much for the update on a number of key issues, important issues for the dairy industry. Thank My you. My pleasure, Mike, and thanks for the great work that you do for all of agriculture. Thank you. Jim Mulhern, President, CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. More from the National Dairy Industry Meeting going on in Phoenix coming up. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. We talked to some of Billy Sutton's neighbors, people who have known him for years. Here's what they had to say. The Billy you see on TV is not real Billy. His folks ranch down the river bottom. We were two miles desert. apart, so I know. He is a Democrat, and he tries to pretend he's not. People can't see it because they're being told something else. Senator Sutton will campaign as a moderate Democrat and then turn around and govern as a liberal. We know that's what he is. He's going to appoint a cabinet full of people who do stand on that platform. What he believes depends on who he's talking to. Billy says one thing and then appears to mean another. And he doesn't stand up for our values. This is a guy that, in his own words, was thrilled to support Hillary Clinton. He said that she has American family values. She has no family values that we have. You're voting for a liberal philosophy, and we don't need that in South Dakota. Democrat Billy Sutton, what he believes depends on who he's talking to. You can't trust Billy. Paid for by Christy for Governor. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture from the National Dairy Meeting going on in Phoenix, Arizona. Glad to have with us John Newton, the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John told us earlier this year about the new uh, dairy revenue assurance program uh, that um, they've been working on for some time. It's now in place. And John, uh, tell us how it's going. How has it started off? And the program launched and was available to dairy farmers beginning October 9th. That's available to farmers every single day. And what we've seen is over the last three weeks, nearly 1.5 billion pounds of milk uh, have been uh, insured under the program. That's an average of 500 million pounds of milk per week. So it's been very, very successful. Uh, the first uh, few weeks of the program, we look forward to more and more farmers uh, signing up and using it, especially as harvest comes to an end here soon. Give us more details about it. For those not real familiar with it, it is a new program. Tell us how it works. Uh, dairy Revenue Protection is an area-based uh, revenue insurance program. Uh, farmers using it uh, can, can choose uh, how to value the milk in a policy using either a class pricing option, which is a mix of class three and class four, or a component pricing option where the farmer elects uh, the butterfat and protein test. Uh, the insurance is quarterly average, which means it reflects the the three quarters of the uh, or the four quarters of the calendar year, January, February, March, April, May, June, et cetera. Uh, so it's a quarterly average insurance policy on revenue. Again, the farmer picks how to value the milk. They pick how much milk to cover. Then they pick a coverage level, and, and that becomes the revenue guarantee under DRP. Now, can they be in it and the Dairy Margin Protection Program, too? Well, assuming we get a farm bill done over the next few weeks, they, they certainly can. Uh, but, but they can use MPP and Dairy RP on the same milk. And I think that's very important for a lot of farmers to understand that, that they can do that. We're talking with John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, talking about the Dairy Revenue Protection Program that is new this year. And certainly it comes at a, a critical time with dairy producers really struggling with the down ag economy, the 
the tariffs, the export situation has really hit agriculture overall and and dairy in particular very hard. It, it certainly does, and, and one of the great things about it is it doesn't mean when you use Dairy RP that you're locked into a price that you're selling your milk. It just protects the floor. It means that uh, the, the value of the milk is not going to be any less than that value that you use under Dairy RP policy. If milk prices move up, uh, then you get that higher price from the marketplace. But if prices, unfortunately, uh, would go lower, then Dairy RP would come in and offer you an insurance payment to offset that loss in revenue. Do we see dairy prices going up in the near future? Well, after listening to Peter Vitaliano, he certainly painted a, an optimistic outlook. I think if we get the, uh, the steel and aluminum tariffs uh, removed uh, from Mexico and Canada, that certainly provides a, a positive outlook uh, for the dairy industry. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we go back and we look at that three-year price cycle. And where we are today, uh, we should be seeing dairy prices move higher in the near future if that three-year price cycle holds true. Let's look at some other commodities. China hit hard by the tariffs uh, uh, on soybeans, I should say, hit hard by the tariffs with China. Uh, is there any bright spot short of an agreement with China? I mean, if we don't get that, is there any movement forward or, or uh, where we could get some kind of rally on soybeans? Well, through the first eight weeks of the marketing year, soybean exports to China this year are down 97%. We usually export... Uh, over 200 million bushels of soybeans to China, close to 300 million bushels of soybeans were exported to China uh, last year during the first eight weeks. Uh, this year we're at about 10 million bushels export to China. So it's been down very, very sharply. Uh, they've completely backed out of the U.S. market right now. Uh, other countries have stepped up. Uh, our exports to the rest of the world are up 83 percent, but that does not offset the biggest player being out of our market, sitting on the sidelines. And so year-to-date, soybean exports are down 40%. Uh, so we need to see something resolved there soon. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a, a real slow-moving uh, process to move soybeans this year. Because it looks like South America is going to have a lot of beans to sell. And Brazil uh, planning is, is well ahead of uh, their historical pace. Uh, they're going to increase their acreage. Argentina... Uh, most likely won't have two consecutive years of a bad crop. Uh, so there will be ample soybeans coming out of South America this year. Uh, so it's just a really challenging market. Uh, when you look at soybeans going into 2019, I think what, what growers can do here in the U.S. and we'll likely see is uh, acres come out of soybeans and move into some other crops. Even though the president continues to say he thinks tariffs are good, a uh, good way to get things done, he's also talked about a, uh, uh, an ag economy, a farm economy that's bouncing back. The numbers really aren't showing that. Well, I think what the president is, is referencing is that the farm economy in 2017 was higher than it was in 2016. But for 2018, the net farm income is projected to be about 13% lower. Than 2017, it's the third lowest net farm income in the U.S. Uh, over the last decade behind 2009 and behind 2016. So while the farm economy did bounce up a little bit in 2017, uh, it remains at very, very low levels, and many expect it to get even lower uh, in 2019 if we don't get some of these headwinds removed, especially with China. Yeah, even the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, uh, well, that 
helps. It, it's more of kind of keeping what we had. Maybe a little bit of an improvement for dairy, not a whole lot. It's more just kind of a we didn't lose what we had. We kind of got back what, where we were. It's For dairy, it's, it's a little bit better than status quo. I know there's additional TRQ access. It remains to be seen what what happens with the Class 7. Canada has an opportunity uh, to set a make allowance on a non-fat dry milk price. We don't know what that make allowance will be. Uh, if the make allowance is anything higher than what we have, then we effectively still have Class 7 just by a different name. So uh, but we do limit their export opportunities under the USMCA. Uh, so it is better than what we had. Uh, it is a slight improvement than when you throw in what we got on wheat and poultry. I think overall it looks pretty good for, for U.S. agriculture, uh, better than what we had at least. That's John Newton. He's chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, always good to see you. Thanks for the update. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, report from the National Dairy Industry Meeting going on in Phoenix. I'll be back tomorrow with much, much more. Hope you'll join us then. Thanks for being with us today on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.